lessons from the Estonian startup ecosystem and Zimbabwe hikes ski rate to 200%. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter, Africa Financial, and you can find me at When the Y Combinator sent out the memo to founders to plan for the worst amid market teardown, for many, the thought was the effects would not be immediate. Part of the memo points out the unpredictability of the global economy and also reminds founders of their responsibility to ensure companies survive if they cannot raise money for the next 24 months. With startups beginning to go belly up, we talked to Zhao Ray, advisor and host at Garage 48, to expound on which stages of investment and funding of startups that will be most affected. I think, you know, what we're looking at right now has impact across the globe, right? We, we are seeing the effects of that, of all, you know, the consequences of, of what we're living through, not just in Africa, but across the globe. So I think there will be a, a, a limited availability for some of the stages. I think that perhaps it will be a time where we start to see startups that don't make it to stages where they would previously make based on grants and funds that are now not available. That has two consequences. One consequence is that a lot of people need to rethink what they're doing. And the other one is that they need to be less reliant on these grants and be more reliant on an actual market-driven approach, which is a positive thing. And I think especially if we look at the, at the African context, some of the very mature discussions we're having with the community players here and that we had in Kenya already last year talked about this kind of uh, uh, dependency on grants for some of the startups that focus their time and energy on solving issues because there is money and funding available from some of the NGOs that want to solve these issues. You know, a lot of it connected with the SDGs. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think it, it creates a perverse incentive for some of the startups to solve that based on the granting opportunities rather than market opportunities. And now that some of those grant opportunities no longer might no longer be available or some of the funding goes away, they need to have a much more market-driven approach, which is good because it creates a more healthy ecosystem in the long run. It creates startups that are more self-reliant than, rather than startups that rely on external funding. So it won't be easy. A lot of people will, will have to go through a hard time and maybe pivot what they're doing. But I think in the long run, it will be positive for the ecosystem. Not just here, but I think across the world. And what are some of the lessons startups can learn from Estonia that is one of the most mature startup ecosystems? The case, I think in Estonia, what started to happen is that after the first success cases uh, with Skype, a lot of the investors that were early on in Skype started to put some of their gains back into the ecosystem. So started to fund the new wave of startups. A lot of the know-how that was in those first early big companies then some of those employees left and started their own companies. So it was a, a, an ecosystem that kind of fed, uh, fed itself uh, on the success of the ecosystem. So that's one. You know, you need to have local action. I don't, I don't think there's, there's many secrets to the Estonian uh, success other than, you know, of course, a good educational system that fosters tech talent and fosters IT skills. I think that's a base layer. Uh, but then, you know, the, the mindset. But I, I would say the mindset is already here. Uh, the mindset is not uh, is not something that needs to be worked on a lot. Perhaps on the tech skills and educational skills, I think that's something that can be worked on. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The Central Bank of Zimbabwe raised its key policy rate to a record high of 200% from 80%, saying the increase in inflation 
was undermining consumer demand and confidence and that, if not controlled, it would reverse the significant economic gains achieved over the past two years. The inflation rate in Zimbabwe surged to 191.6% in June from 131.7% in May. The decision will take effect from July 1st. The World Bank Group has approved $2.3 billion US dollars program to help countries in eastern and southern Africa increase the resilience of the region's food systems and ability to tackle growing food insecurity. Food system shocks brought on by the extreme weather, pest and disease outbreaks, political and market instability and conflict are becoming more frequent and severe, putting more people at risk of food insecurity. The war in Ukraine is further exacerbating these effects by disrupting the global food fuel and fertilizer markets as a result. An estimated 66.4 million people in the region are projected to experience food stress or a food crisis, emergency or famine by July 2022. To address these risks, the Food Systems Reliance Program for Eastern and Southern Africa will enhance interagency food crisis response strategies, including strengthening early warning systems and rapid response planning, emergency support to producers, emergency trade measures, emergency food reserves, and will include a contingent emergency response component to provide agile, rapid funding. Ethiopia, where up to 22.7 million people are food insecure due to the most severe drought in the country has ever faced, and Madagascar, where 7.8 million people are facing acute food insecurity because of historic droughts in the south of the country, will be targeted in the first phase of the project. The first phase will also support the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, IGAD, which will strengthen information and data sharing and the Centre for Coordination of Agriculture Research and Development for Southern Africa, which will leverage its existing networks and outreach tools for regional coordination mechanisms. With the total financing package of $788.10 million, the initial phase of the program is expected to benefit 2.3 million people. The industrial production in Mauritius expanded 7.8% year-on-year in the first quarter of 2022 following an upwardly revised 3.9% rise in the previous three-month period. It's the largest gain in industrial activity since the second quarter of 2021 as output accelerated for manufacturing, water supply, sewage, waste management and remediation, and electricity, gas, steam and air conditioning supply. Meanwhile, production eased for mining and querying. On a quarterly basis, industry activity declined 12.7% after a downwardly revised 8.2% increase in the previous quarter. According to a report released by the World Economic Forum, Global Gender Gap Report 2021, it will now take over a century, about 135.6 years, to close the gender gap worldwide, meaning a whole generation of women will have to wait before gender parity is attained. Globally, women will still have only three quarters of the legal rights according to men, an aggregate score of 76.5% illustrating incomplete legal parity. A World Bank report released earlier this year indicates that billions of working-age women globally still face unequal job opportunities compared to their male counterparts. Women, Business and the Law 2022 report released in March noted that at least 2.4 billion women are economically marginalized with 178 countries maintaining legal barriers and still that still prevent women's full economic participation the world economic forum global gender report 2021 ranks namibia as a leading african country and sixth globally thank you for always waking up with us good morning africa is a product of k financial 
If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at Kfinancial. And you can find me at The Doctor.